Hi, this is Jerry Reynolds for Sacramento Electronic Supply, who has been servicing the Sacramento area's industrial electronic needs for over 75 years. Family owned and operated, Sacramento Electronics is a registered California small business that pride themselves on their customer service. Their showroom and warehouse are open to the public to browse. Whether you're looking for wire and cable, tools and testers, connectors or relays, Sacramento Electronics is open for you Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m., directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova. Or, hey, visit them online 24-7 at www.sacelec.com and do it. Oh, another rebound in a crowd by the Brock Ness Monster. Ooh, that would be Pedro. Ooh. Jim Bob Foley. Holy moly. How about the Tasmanian Slovenian with the stop, drop, and pop? Tiffany Hop from the King's Herald Barbershop. You're listening to the King's Herald Show, a bi weekly NBA podcast that covers all the ups and downs, ins and outs of your one and only Sacramento Kings. As always, I'm your host, Will Griffith, and with me today, writer for the King's Herald, my co-host, Tony Zipteris. Tony, how's it going? Will, it's been a, a boring couple of weeks, I guess, in <laughs> um, in Kingsland, but we shall talk about basketball anyway. So always, always happy to talk with you and Jerry. As always, we persevere. He's a uh, former Sacramento Kings head coach, GM and color analyst, GM of a WNBA champion, Indiana Basketball Hall of Famer, to the true pride of French League himself, Jerry Reynolds. Jerry, as always, an absolute pleasure to have you. How's it going? Well, thank you. Always good to be with you guys, and I'm a little bit been a little bit bored, you know. Being a, an, an older senior citizen, I have learned that the older I get, the uh, seems like the earlier it gets late. <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> so uh, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Let's give it 100, percent man. Okay, 100 percent for as long as we can here. So, uh, as Tony mentioned, we're officially in the dog days of summer for the Sacramento Kings and the NBA as a whole, uh, with most of the big free agency stuff worked out. Uh, players suiting up for vacation or for those select few, the FIBA World Cup. There is some Kings news out there in the last two weeks before we get to broader, more general strokes of the NBA. So we'll start there. Uh, first up, uh, the Sacramento Kings signed themselves a backup center. Uh, former Kentucky Wildcat Neurons Noel is coming to Sacramento on a one-year, $3.1 million deal. Jerry, Tony, uh, what do you guys think of the 29-year-old center coming to Sacramento? Well, I mean, he, he is got some skill as a uh, rim protector uh, you know he's one of those guys that in college uh, was, was viewed as a sure thing that proven not to be of course uh, I always say that I've said it many times on different uh, radio radio show different things that, uh, that every time I think of Nerland's Noel Noel I think of uh, uh, Sam Hankey trading Drew Holiday for the rights to draft him and I've always said process might actually worked if he had done that sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know a young all-star to make him but uh having said that and then of course the other thing and i mean i think got to be brought up you know it really wasn't nerland's fault but he turned down due to his agents uh, uh she turned down a 70 million dollar contract with the mavericks and uh has been trying to, you know, he pulled the Bonzi Wells, you know, he's been, you know, trying to make up for it ever since, and of course can't, you know, I, I, I'm alluding to the 
year that Bonzi got offended when Jeff Petrie offered him $34 million for years when Major was about 38 or something, and Bonzi was pissed and said, well, I'm worth more. And of course, uh, of course uh, the next two years played for $5 million in two years, and that was out of the league, I think. So, so anyway, so that's, that's just a little look back. But, uh, uh, you know, am I enthused about uh, New Orleans? I, I would just say no. No, I think he's a, 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 a nice, cheap addition. I think that my take on it would be very simple, that I think actually Alex Lynn is better uh, for the most part. But I think what it will do for Mike Brown, who's extremely creative, uh, will be able to game to game, be able to figure out maybe who might have a little bit more valuable in the limited backup role. And so, so I think, so that to me makes it a good signing. Tony, what do you think about uh, the, the move to sign Nerlens Noel as a backup center? I am, I'm fighting myself on this one pretty hard because I fall for these guys all the time. Like I love the high draft pick that didn't work out anywhere that you can kind of uh, rec- reclimate, I guess. Um, that being said, it's hard to get too excited when he hasn't really had long-term success anywhere, which is like the one hangup. And it, that's a pretty big deal when the guy that you're hoping will be good for you has just not been good anywhere else ever. That's that's tough to overcome. But the one thing I will say about Nerlens Noel that I that is, I guess, a fact, um, and I'm pulling these numbers from Clean the Glass, Nerlens Noel has been an elite shot blocker and uh, stealer at the big position his entire career so he's in like the 99th percentile for bigs with steal percentage and block percentage so the guy has defensive tools and he's been elite in these very two specific areas can he do it for the kings can he do it without fouling can he do it at a at a rate that is better than what alex len is giving you that remains to be seen but there is still something about nerland's noel that i do like despite the fact that he just has not worked out anywhere i, I have hope for for reasons that are not really backed by any I don't know any evidence or anything other than the fact that I've kind of always liked him and he's another Kentucky guy and Kentucky guys seem to do well here. So I'm hopeful, but I understand that my reasoning is not, is not very sound here. You know, one, one last thing I would say that between Alex Lynn and, and Nerlens that I would say Nerlens is much quicker off his feet, yes. you know uh, you know, so that that's to his advantage. And I can see situations where he might be more valuable to Mike Brown uh, you know, he's not as physical, I don't think, and I don't think he shoots as well. But, uh, yeah, he is he's very athletic, uh, you know, on a team that certainly could use that. Yeah, and one other thing, Will, I don't know, maybe you mentioned this already, but his contract isn't um, – it's not guaranteed throughout the year. So this is sort of a – we'll see how it goes through training camp, and if it doesn't work out, then it's then it doesn't work out, and the Kings can kind of move on. So it's a, it's a low-risk move. Is there any hope to see a lineup with like a Nerlens and Demonis Sabonis playing with each other in, in regards to how fast Nerlens can move at his age? Or is this something that he's strictly just a backup five at this point and we shouldn't overthink anything past that? I, I'd uh, Well, I'd be surprised if he's anything other than a limited backup five. I, I still think probably the, the Kings are probably going to be better with uh, Trey Lyles there, most sure. of, more, more than either one of them. Uh, and I think, you know, with Vesnikov, I, I really believe what they're, what Mike Brown and Monty are saying, they probably couldn't exactly do all the things they wanted to do. Uh, so, okay, we couldn't improve ourselves a lot defensively. So let's just go get 140 this year, a game. <laughs> and, 
And and I I buy in. I mean, it's like go to your strengths. And, and I think they've done that for the most part or will be able to do that and do it a little bit better. Okay, so another minor but a fun piece of Kings news. Uh, Keegan Murray was chosen as a member of the uh, Team USA Select team and uh, will be a part of their training camp uh, starting next month. And uh, he could be selected as part of the the team that goes to the FIBA World Cup on the off chance that there's injuries. The guys, how good is this uh, for Keegan Murray uh, to be a part of a training camp like this? Well, I think it's great. I mean, very deserving. Uh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, when you look at young players, uh, he's uh, in the elite. I think he's proven that. Uh, as I hear again, I've you know been maybe out front saying a few things in regard to Keegan. I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that he, he was a better rookie than Paige Stoyakovic. He was a better rookie than Hito Turkoglu. I'm not saying he'll be better in five years, but but I mean, hey, he did it. Uh, he was very valuable on a winning team, and uh, and certainly had some good playoff games. The all-time three-point rookie record, and uh, and we saw in the summer league the two games he played. Uh, I think he's ready for a bigger role. So I guess all in all, I'd just say, yeah, he's very deserving uh, of of this and. There's no downside. Yeah, I um, I mean, you can't. How can you not like this? Uh, the one thing that I thought was funny, um, the rest of the roster is uh, is an interesting collection of players. It's Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran, Langston Galloway, who is not in the league, Jalen Green, Quentin Grimes, Chet Holmgren, John Jenkins, who is a G League player, Herb Jones, Eric Micah, who's a former Kings um summer league and summer league guy, Trey Murphy, uh, Keegan Murray, Peyton Pritchard, Nas Reed, and Jalen Williams. So. Being on this roster doesn't automatically mean anything. Obviously, there's a lot of guys on this list that aren't of Keegan Murray's caliber or even NBA players at all. So it is kind of an interesting collection of of dudes. But of of that group, I think Keegan Murray has um, as good a chance as any of them to actually make this team. Uh, shooting is like a is a big deal for international basketball, and Keegan Murray has proven to be like a, a pretty elite shooter at his position. There's not too many guys who shoot threes that efficiently with volume um, at the four. So it's a it's a Great accolade for Keegan. His the peers here are are interesting, so I don't want to you know put too much stock into it either. But it's a it's a good look for him. Totally deserved, and uh, maybe he can make a splash for them since De'Aaron Fox seems to be blackballed still from um, all the stuff that happened with him years. <laughs> ago. Maybe Keegan be, can be our guy. Well, we know Keegan's on the scrimmage squad right now, and I'm not wishing injuries on anybody. But how beneficial would it be for a young guy like Keegan to actually go and play in the international competition, like a FIBA World Cup or someday maybe the Olympics? Jerry, how much does that make a difference to those guys to go and see the best competition in the world? Well, I think it means a lot because I mean I think uh, it from just a, a confidence thing for a young player like that to say, "Hey, I can play on the world stage, and I'm being viewed." At a, as a more important, better player. And so, uh, you know, confidence is a big part of uh, sports, especially and certainly professional sports in particular. And I, I think all this is just really, I, I think for such a humble young man as Keegan, I mean, it, it kind of uh, forces him to think of himself in a little higher light than maybe he, he has in the past. And I think that's all good. Tony, do you have any uh, any quibbles with uh, with him going if if he wound up going to something like the FIBA World Cup? No, I mean I know I get like people get concerned about players getting too tired before the regular season or getting injured, and I understand those concerns. But I think in twenty twenty three, you just got to kind of let the players do what they want to do in these situations. And 
if Keegan Murray makes it, I think Jerry makes a great point. Like he almost kind of like we we think he's better than he thinks he is sometimes, or at least it feels that way. So maybe him to like Jerry said, kind of learn that yeah, you are on this level. Um, you can like lean into it a little bit. You don't need to be so humble all the time and uh maybe not like take your spot. Like, go take your spot, Keegan. You've you've got the skills and and you've earned it. So Jerry, is there any any time as you with you being a GM or a coach that you saw somebody go away to either a FIBA or to something like the Olympics and saw a player come back kind of a different player or a, a better player because of the experiences he had on those teams? Well, I know uh, I don't know if it, it it was before or after, but I know Hito Turkoglu. I, I I know his international experience. I think uh, really gave him a lot of confidence. You know, I I was. Just like I was comparing Keegan to Hedo and Page, I, I think the, the the only difference, the main difference between all three of those guys is both Page and Hedo really had no doubt they were going to be good, really good, you know, day one, even though they didn't quite get it done. But I think their experience internationally and, and all and not, you know, really made a difference there, you know, uh, growing up playing against real men uh, and, and representing the country, a lot of pressure, uh, being a main guy, you know, they, they all had to do that. And, uh, you know, Keegan really hasn't had to yet. So we're going to roll off to, uh, to, uh, to rating the Kings off season. I just only because we're now at a point where again, the draft is over and done with free agency is for the most part outside of PJ Washington's mystery tour. Uh, he, everybody else has been signed. Who's probably going to be signed most of the trades outside of Damian Lillard deciding that he'll, he'll go anywhere he wants to go or wherever the Portland Trailblazers want to send him. Uh, most of this stuff is kind of settled for now. So I want to get your guys' opinions so far on how you feel like the off season has gone for the Kings. We'll start with the draft. Obviously the Kings drafted Colby Jones, Jalen Slauson. They traded uh, 24 to make room for the Sabonis extension. Uh, how do you guys feel like the Kings did in the draft this season overall? And in terms of like the broad, you can even add in everything else that we know now. How would you rate the Kings in their draft this year? Well, I guess for me, I, I like Colby Jones a lot better until the summer league. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I think he's got a chance to be a good player, but I didn't think he played particularly well. I thought, uh, you know, Ellis was the better player. Uh, of course, he's had a year of experience uh, uh, in, in both the NBA a little bit. So, so I, I don't want, I mean, he's a second round pick, he's signed to a, a fairly long guaranteed deal. So it really does need to work, but uh, you know, I think there's uh, some questions that need to be answered with, with Colby. That's what I'd say. So not good or bad, just second round pick. Look, I'll still say looks like he can be a player in a league, but I'm not as totally sure of it as it was. Uh, so there's that, but uh, you know, the draft, we didn't expect much help there. Yeah, for the for me for the draft, it's um another it's a wait and see thing, which is a bad answer, but it's it's also kind of like a I don't know. It's not like previous years where we were worried that the Kings missed out on a great player. Like, sure, you can find a great player in the twenties, but you can't like as a fan or even as I don't know if you're inside the front office or if you're a journalist or whatever. I don't know that you can like really slam a team too hard for missing out on a player in the twenties, that's much easier to do in the top 10 or top five. So I think whatever we think about this, Monty McNair is probably going to skate free of criticism for whatever the outcome is on, on the draft this year. Um, and that's the nature, I guess, of being a better team. You're not really expected to make a huge splash. Yeah. I think that's kind of the fun part of a, 
being a decent NBA team <laughs> like that. We're not expecting we don't need Keegan Murray to go win an MVP or Davion Mitchell to go win an MVP of summer league in order to be like, eh, they probably did an OK job. We'll, we'll see in a couple of years where Keegan Keegan has a terrible summer league. And all of a sudden we're thinking about burning Golden One Center down. This is kind of like, all right, uh, Colby Jones didn't impress as much as I wanted him to. Jalen Slauson didn't really do as much as I wanted him to. It's fine. Uh, you know, for me, I, after summer league, I kind of well, was probably a C plus draft. And that's more than fine at this point. Um, and it could be something that three years from now, it's an A-plus draft because Colby Jones is a rotational player. But it wasn't something that really bothered me too much that no one showed out like I'd hope they would. Yeah, yeah, no, I was going to say, I, I might be hard not to say C-plus, kind of like you, C-plus, uh, you know, because in two or three years, yeah, I could easily go to a B or an A or <laughs> – could go the other way, you know, but, uh, but I, I do, I, I really, I, I still think the kid's going to be good, but he wasn't, you know, in my mind, he just didn't do enough. So, so we'll roll over to free agency then. What, how do you guys think that the Kings did in terms of the Barnes extension, Trey Lyles returning, uh, the Sabonis extension, uh, bringing over uh, Sasha Vazankov? How do you guys feel like the free agency period went as a whole for the Kings? Well, I, I think, you know, Monty McNair, I think, just uh, did a marvelous job with the contracts and all. I know some fans were uh, about to slash their wrists over Harrison Barnes' contract. <laughs> and and that's, uh, you know, in today's game, uh, that was terrific. He's a, he's a really good player, and he was compensated fairly, uh, and certainly probably on the open market. If he had really probably tested it, he might could have got more. Uh, pretty sure he could have after looking at some of these contracts, but, uh, and then Vesnikov, uh, you know, just as a fan, the more I've gotten a chance to watch of him, the better I like him. Uh, you know, the guy, the guy can shoot the ball and, uh, you know, he's a tough, got some toughness about him. Uh, not, not good defensively. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but, uh, there's a, I mean, there's a baller there and he's really good, you know, you can just see, or at least I think I can see, what Monty and and uh, Coach Brown saw in him. You know, when you when you know the Kings team as as we do or think we do, I mean, he should just really be good with Sabonis and Fox. You know, I mean, that's kind of the way I see it. So I I think that could very well turn out to be, you know, a bigger deal than people might think because I, I'm pretty sure that even though he's a lot older. But uh, a lot of the high-ranking lottery picks are not going to be as good as he is. Tony, what about you? How did you feel about the free agency period? Uh, I didn't have an issue with anything Monty McNair did. I guess just from a my perspective, I wish the I I wish I knew the Kings were better. And I, from this position now, like I'm not certain the Kings are better. I think they got better on the fringes. Will that be better enough to make the result at the end of the season better than a first run exit as a three seed? I don't know. Uh, and it would I would feel more comfortable if I if I knew they they did more to to build on what they did last season. I am with Jerry. I I love Sasha and I even like Chris Duarte. Not a free agent, it was a trade, but I like what he did even there on like the on really on the fringes. Like he he spent some money to bring his guys back, and then those Chemezi Metu or Rashawn Holmes that those end of the rotation guys, I think this year are much more interesting. So there's more tools like Mike Brown has more at his disposal to, to mix and match rotations and, and do some interesting things. But um, I would have felt better, I guess, if there was a big splash, but it, I don't know if you guys read um, 
Monty McNair's interview in the athletic with Sam Amick. Uh, and he kind of went through this same thing in the off season where he talked about how they tried to do a lot of things. They tried to uh, trade for Siakam and OG and they talked to Kuzma. Um, but I, you know, those guys didn't get traded from Toronto and Kuzma got signed for a lot of money. So I'm not like super bummed out that we miss out on those. And Monty McNair mentioned how the, the road to success is not linear in Sacramento and he's got all of his guys back, but they're very flexible, which is true. There's not one bad contract on this roster right now. So what this team is right now, even if I'm a little bit disappointed, they didn't get significantly better. I understand that there's still a whole regular season to go to make moves. And Monty McNair is still thinking big. It's just a matter of finding the move that works best for him. And I can't, I can't complain too much about that. I think the team probably got a little better, you know, not, you know, we sure wanted to see, or, you know, you know, I did. I mean, Nas Reed, somebody like that, that would really, I thought, fill a gap that just wasn't needed to be filled. And I don't think it's been filled, but, but I, I give, uh, I think with, with what they did, I, I think to, with a creative coach like Mike Brown is, and, I, and that's why I, I think they've improved themselves. He'll figure out how to, I think, get mileage out of an Irwin's Noel, mm-hmm. a Duarte. I mean, Trey Lyles, I think at the end of the year, I think you could see he he got a better idea of what Trey could give it, uh, you know. And and I thought he personally thought it took a little longer than it should have, but that's that's the second guesser in me. But uh, so yeah, are they you know are they going to be is Denver going to be scared to death? No, but uh, but that doesn't mean they won't be by the end of the year. Uh, you know, I I do think this team is has a chance to barring injuries be the best offensive team in the league that's something yeah jerry i agree denver might not be the one quaking in their boots but i do think that if the kings had this team against the golden state warriors they probably wound up and they would wind up in the second round you know replacing a terrence davis and rashawn holmes with guys that might be able to give different looks that might be able to come out there and play when you know that, that desperate terrence davis minutes kind of wound up not really doing much for the Kings there in game seven. I think this particular squad winds up beating those Warriors either in six or seven games or whatever. That didn't happen. And the Warriors got better and a bunch of other teams got better in the West. But this is a squad where now I don't look and see a single weak link. I see players that are better than another, but I don't see a guy that I think they call them like my bad guys. You know, I I think that you replace all your guys that kind of the head scratchers with, with dogs. And I think having 14, 15 guys on a roster that are all pointing in the same direction, all working to make each other better, probably does, you know, improve the team internally. I, I, I think back to last season at this time where we were like, the Kings really need to hit home runs in draft and free agency and trades in order to just make the playoffs. And when we were sitting here talking about it, I think I think it was kind of the common consensus that they hit uh, ground rule doubles and triples, but they didn't really do much. And then the Kings went out, went out and won 48 games. Mm-hmm. So I kind of feel like I'm sitting here the same going, oh, they probably hit doubles. You know, I would have liked a bigger move, but like I'm fine with bringing it back and improving internally. So I, I, I can't doubt them until they, until it absolutely, they absolutely crap the bed. Because at this point, like if my brain is, is, is pointing at a double and it ends up a home run, then I see it as a double. It might just be a home run. And I've got a, there's a fault in my wiring, not in the Kings wiring. So I'm fine with the off season. I, I, Tony, I'm kind of like you. I wish there was maybe a little bit more to it, but I'm also like, ah, we'll see. You know, I'm, I'm fine with it being nonlinear in terms of their improvement. I'm fine with giving them a season of, of growth here because you can see they're at least lining up the, the 
lining up the pieces for something bigger down the road if it comes. Well, you know, too, uh, I mean, I look at uh, Denver. I mean, who saw a championship team there at the start of last year? Sure. But, uh, you know, uh, their patience and basically pretty much the same team with, you know, they picked up a couple of Brown and Braun or, you know, two Browns, and they are both very valuable uh, reserves. But, I mean, uh, it's a case of basically growing from within. And, of course, we know uh, Mike Malone is a real good coach, but Michael Porter Jr. hanging with him, Jamal Murray hanging with him. And, of course, you know, Aaron Gordon really is this year really clicked in the role he had. I don't think we'd saw that before. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you got to hope. Hope springs eternal, and I'm going to do some eternal hoping. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll we'll wrap this part of it up just by trades. And I'm talking specifically about Chris Duarte. Um, well, how did you guys feel about that trade or how uh, how uh, Monty McNair's staff basically worked the trade market in the offseason? Well, I, you know, I read uh, Mr. Zipteris' article along with Caitlin. Uh, and I thought it was terrific, really gave a lot of a lot of information. And, and then I, I made a called to uh, Mr. Bird a little bit, visited uh, about that. And and I thought pretty much, you know, we didn't get near as in-depth as Tony did with Caitlin, but uh, pretty much same thing. You know, he was, he did say something I thought was, was very interesting in that uh, he thought uh, Duarte could be a good defender, mm -hmm. uh, you know, had the potential to be a good defender, uh, you know, better than several of the Pacers guys. And, and so, I said, well, boy, that'd be something, but uh, <laughs> I'll hold my breath on that. But then the other thing was that, you know, basically he said he, 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 he really missed Sabonis. Now he had a lot of injuries and other things, but he said he'll be a lot better with Sabonis than he was here because they, they couldn't utilize him as well. And they had guys, you know, with the Matherin had to play and different things. So, you know, he, he felt he could help us, you know, he felt he could help us and, said uh if you get the first year duarte uh you gotta you you really came out ahead if you get the second year duarte you didn't <laughs> <laughs> tony uh did anything that caitlin cooper and you discussed did any of that kind of open your eyes to something new on duarte i guess if anything it tempered my expectations a little bit but that's on me for getting i get overly excited on these young players that get traded to the kings i can't help it it's a it's a uh it's a weakness that I will not even try to get better at because it makes it more fun that way. Um, so I, I enjoyed talking with Caitlin. She obviously knows a ton about the Pacers and she went above and beyond in, in that article, just kind of pointing things out about um, the holes in his game and what he's good at. I think at the end of the day, though, I, I would rather have this this player than Terrence Davis, which is basically the the spot that he's picking up. And uh, to Jerry's point, and you know everyone said it, Sabonis, like, it's on one hand, it's obvious to say, oh yeah, he'll be better with Sabonis. And it kind of sounds like you're just saying something, but look at the players on the Kings roster this season. All of them were better with Sabonis. So why wouldn't Duarte, like multiple players had their best season of their career this year, in part because Sabonis was on the court with them. And it makes all the sense in the world to me that Duarte will have a much better year, a much easier time finding his spots at the player of Sabonis's caliber. So I think if you're banking on that, I don't think that's a bad bet. I think that's a pretty good bet that Sabonis can make this a, a more effective player. And uh, Caitlin mentioned his defense too in his, in his rookie year. Um, the Pacers were a lot less talented in their rookie year, so they didn't have a ton of options, but she mentioned that he was one of their better defenders 
um, as a rookie. So if he can bring some of that energy to Sacramento, uh, and I don't know if, if any of you caught some of his interviews, I tried to just pick up on what kind of person he is. I, I really liked what he had to say in all of his interviews too. So I'm buying into the Duarte Duarte uh, stock, even though Caitlin kind of tempered my expectations with how realistic she <laughs> she kind of gave of a view of his his career so far. So overall then, guys, with, with draft, for agency, trades, everything wrapped up into one, do you have a letter grade, Jerry and Tony, that you'd give the Kings this offseason in general? You can give it an incomplete if you want. I I don't mind you copping out. I just uh, overall, how do you how do you give the Kings off season? I, I would probably uh, give them a B minus, maybe. Uh, you know, I you, you know you're hoping for more, but they didn't do anything really wrong. And then there's a, and really, I thought the contract signings and things were excellent. Uh, so, yeah, uh, you know, it's around the edges. I mean, that's uh, yeah, you didn't get the home run big deal you wanted. But uh, sometimes the other, <laughs> you can't make teams trade guys to you. So it's a shame, but you can't do it. <laughs> Tony, what about you? I was going to go B minus two. And I guess the one thing I'll add to that, not to just copy Jerry's number, but I think that's a, that's a good grade. And also uh, this might be giving him too much credit, but the Kings also didn't get worse, which is not nothing. Like you, someone could have taken Harrison Barnes from you and then you're in a much worse spot. You lose Trey Lyles, you're in a much worse spot. Um, you make a bad trade, you're in a worse spot. So not getting worse is also part of this too, where uh, we've definitely seen GMs make their teams worse in an offseason. And and Montemagnier didn't, not only didn't do that, he also made them a little bit better. So I think that's a B minus to me. Okay, now uh, last bit before we run to a commercial break here. You guys each have to give me the best and worst move in terms of the Kings offseason. What you felt the best move Monty made this offseason was and what the worst move, Monty. And again, as a B, as we've talked about before, there wasn't anything too bad. There wasn't anything too spectacular. But you guys got to give me the best and worst in your mind from Monty this summer. You know, I, I think it's signing uh, Vesnikov. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I wouldn't have said that probably a month ago, but doing a little bit of background, which, you know, I don't do much anymore, but I did some. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that that will prove to be the, the best move I would have probably uh, second best was I still think uh, keeping Harrison Barnes. You know, sure. I know a lot of fans. I, I don't care what they think. You know, the guy's a good player. He's good to have on your team. Uh, for me, the best move. I'm also going to go Sasha. I love that they brought him over. The contract they gave him, I thought, was so fair for uh, like if he's making about six million dollars a year for three years. If he and he's ready to go right now, um, there is a not. Uh, not unlikely possibility. That's one of the best contracts in the NBA for like a non-rookie contract player, um, you know, in a couple of years here. And then I think for, for least favorite move or worst move. Um, and this is me being, being how I am about things is, is trading that draft pick away and then using the cap space to extend Sabonis when in theory, you could have just rolled into unrestricted free agency next year, paid him a bunch of money and kept your draft pick. Um, it might work out for Monty. It's just, I'd I'd rather take the pick and roll the dice on keeping Sabonis anyways and maybe doing something else with your cap space. But that's the road they went down. I don't hate it. But of of the moves that I don't hate that much, that's the one I hate the most. <laughs> I uh, I feel similar. Like the Zankoff, we're three for three on that one. I think that was a great move for what they got him for. I think he's going to be a dynamic player for the Kings. And for me, it is trading that number 24. And I guess specifically, I, I think Trace Jackson Davis is going to be good. 
I, I liked what I what he had from summer league. It's just not not spending one pick on a guy who, even though his brother or his agent was the brother of 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 the GM of the Warriors, like we did that with Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell didn't know he was coming to Sacramento. Davion Mitchell looked annoyed when they announced them because they hadn't asked or shown any interest in Davion Mitchell. Like to do that for a second round pick who has upside and and could work with or or replicate something like a Sabonis. Uh, th- that was the one thing that I'm, I'm fine with Colby Jones. Uh, I'm hopeful for Jalen's loss. I'm a little bit, nothing peeved me too much, but it was like, I wish he'd have just taken one of those picks and, and, and spent it on Trace Jackson Davis and he'll figure it out when he gets here, how much he loves it. I, I agree with you guys, by the way. I mean, I, I do think uh, Trace J- Davis, uh, Jackson Davis is going to be a good player. Uh, sadly, what really bothers me more than anything is I think he's a perfect fit for the Warriors. Sure, sure. And that, yeah. uh, that's what I don't like because yeah. I think, you know, he, he'll fit better there than even he would have here. Sure. Uh, and pro- so so that's a downer. And, and you know, I'd go back. I, this year didn't bother me as much as last year. I really thought they should have kept the pick and taken Jaden Hardy. I still think that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. I just thought that was uh, too, good a, too good a possibility to get a kid with that kind of talent that was available, even yeah. though he'd pl- planned – and then we're starting to see it, I think. So, anyway. No, I agree with you, Jerry. All right, we're going to roll over to a commercial break real quick, and we'll be right back. Sacramento Electric Supply now has stock on fiber and fiber accessories from Logics. From bulk fiber cable to splicing kits to connectors, Sacramento Electronics is now your home for your fiber cabling needs. Stop on by their location directly south of Costco in Rancho Cordova, Monday through Friday, 8.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. Or visit them online 24-7, www.sacelect.com. All right, Tony, we are back from the commercial break. Why don't we roll on over to our Patreon question of the day? Thanks, Will. On every episode of this podcast, we ask at least one question from our King's Herald patrons. You can submit questions at patreon.com slash King's Herald or on the website or on Twitter to me and Will. Um, You submit questions and we will ask them either here on the main show or uh, once a month on Patreon. We do a uh, exclusive Q&A for Patreon members there where all the leftover questions do get asked. So keep submitting questions. If you don't hear it here, it has probably been answered on one of our many Patreon shows. Um, this week's question comes from Kevin. And I thought Kevin asked a, a good question that kind of touches on everything we've been talking about in this podcast and every podcast since the, um, since the, uh, season ended for the Kings. Kevin asks, uh, Jerry, what's more difficult finally breaking out of a long streak of bad seasons to play winning basketball or following up a great season with another that's as good or better. It's a great question, and I actually think the harder part will be following up with one that's as good or better, mm-hmm. you know. And I'll go back to the, you know, the the breakout year of late '99, you know, with the Jay Will and Webb and Devots and people. You know, that team was uh, 27, 24, I think it was. They got in the playoffs, and but the next year, everybody assumed they're just going to take off, and and won forty four games. Uh, you know, I think got Nick Anderson in the trade and Will excited and he wasn't worth a crap and uh, <laughs> and got beat swept by the Lakers. 
And so it was a, a definite letdown. I mean, the the talent of the team was probably a little better, but it it you know it just didn't didn't do what it was expected all of it. And then of course the next the the next year, uh, then it clicked in again. You went to fifty five wins and, and all that. So I, I guess what I'm saying is is be afraid, be very afraid because you know all the great chemistry and all that it, it's a it's a it's very fragile and and so everything worked for the kings they snuck up on people uh the next year i, I thought with that bunch of kings and those at that time all of a sudden that second year is the same kind of thing uh you know everybody okay we're prepared to play the kings they're good yeah. you know and and that's and that is a difference you know i mean and i so the kings are it's nice to be in the spotlight in the nation. And I think the Kings are to a degree, you know, after six or seven teams, uh, but it's also going to, it brings you attention that you want. It also brings some attention you don't want. That's called scouting and preparedness and all that. Will, uh, I want, you can answer this question as it's asked, but I'm also curious just from like a fan perspective, are you more worried about the Kings being bad next year than you would have been if they were bad again before last season, like is, is do we just keep the drought ro- rolling and it doesn't hurt as much because you're so comfortable with it? Or would it hurt more now that you've tasted a little bit of success? It, it would definitely hurt more now. If the Kings are bad this year, it will definitely like be an extra stomach punch because you get a little bit of that hope. Like you get a little bit like I'm worried about more than anything. I'm going to knock on wood before I say anything here. Like uh, the Kings had a fantastic, like uh like they their injuries last year were kind of kept to a minimum and some of that was domas playing with a with a bad thumb but like i could see a universe where the kings are rolling and then somebody goes down and fox goes down and how many engine pistons on this team go pop and and how much that that affects these kings like they're deeper but not not depth in a way that like they've got stars that can handle it um I, I think it's one of those things. I think a, a, one of my best friends, he's a, he's a Minnesota Timberwolves fan. And they had that Jimmy Butler year where things are like, oh, man, they're looking up. They got all this stuff that, you know, they might have traded some young talent to get it. But, you know, they're looking up. And then, like, it took all of one season to have it all come crashing down. And all that excitement and all that hype for this Timberwolves squad just crashed right back down into the earth. Now the Timberwolves are good again, and I hope they're good for a very long time. But, like, those couple of seasons after the Jimmy Butler stuff, it was like, just, just quit. <laughs> like, just, I know you're not going to, but because you're an addict, but like, just quit. And I would, I would, uh, there would be a part of me that if the Kings rolled off another three or four bad seasons, that would, that would absolutely kill my fandom. I would just, all right, I'm, I'm done. I, I've, I've seen the light and, and now it's, now it's time to go. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, to me, another example is Dallas, you know, sure. uh, a season ago, they were in the Western finals. Yeah. And, uh, this year they didn't make the play in. So uh, it's, it's, it's very fragile, you know? And so, yeah, you have to be, be scared. And some things you think will work may not. Some things you're not sure about will work better. Uh, all that. So I, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel confident that this team barring injuries uh, can be a better team. Don't necessarily mean that they'd be third. I, I never would never say that because sure. I think the West last year, so many teams had so many injuries. But I, I think, you know, okay, and and that wouldn't worry me if the team would win, they, instead of forty eight, win forty six, but be 
in my mind, still be, could be a better team. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 so anyway. I I guess too, like I would rather I don't know if I'd prefer a Memphis Grizzlies style, like the early 2010s Memphis Grizzlies, where they were always like right there, never couldn't quite get anywhere past. Or if I'd rather just like let's go, let's go for one big run at a championship, like expend all of our energy, all of our draft capital, kind of Phoenix suns it up. And then, like, all right, I, I've handled 17 years of, of poor play. I can handle another four or five years of recovery till we get to the next squad. I don't know which one I'd prefer at this point. I'd much rather a championship. But I could also understand just su- sustained success without that championship hope. I don't know. It all scares me, Tony. Now that you've asked that question that Kevin asked, <laughs> it's all existential crises from here on out. Yeah, it's um, it's 20 teams make at least the play in now. So you, I mean, it's got to be easier to make to cross that hump into being a decent team. The Kings just have been particularly poor at get at like crossing that threshold. But I can't imagine another drought this big for any NBA team now that the play in is a thing. Just because it's it's four more or yeah four more spots to to make some noise in the postseason. I am terrified of them not being good again though because uh, the drought was in some ways galvanizing for the fans that were left. It's like, all right, we got to see that. I remember with the Red Sox, like the the, uh, the curse, reverse the curse. There were those Red Sox fans that stuck through the drought and it was a very, gal- it was part of being a fan and that became part of being a Kings fan. It's like, oh, we've got this drought, but we're sticking through it and we'll see them, you know, eventually they'll make the playoffs. Uh, but I always had in my mind, like uh, a few years of success after that, like you, you, the drought's over and now you're just a good NBA team that has, you know, five to seven or eight years of playoffs. Um, which is what I'm hoping for. But to your point, Will, if they crash down again after finally reaching the playoffs, I don't know. I don't know how much how much more I have left in me. Like you stick it up through the drought, you kind of come together in that as a unit. They get better and now they're just worse again. I don't I don't want to live in that reality. So let's let's not do that. Okay. So Jerry, we're gonna roll over to you now for the uh, for the Reynolds wrap up. Well, uh a couple just one thing in particular struck my eye and uh you know the Jalen Brown contract Ooh. 300 300 million i know tony's chipping in but uh <laughs> yep. 60 million a year he's the second best player on the team now you know something we've talked about and i i don't want to sound you know i understand the either players get the money or the owners get the money it's it's split 50 50 but i i still think the the thing that probably bothers me about the contracts the most is that a select few players get a high percentage of the money. The, the middle level players are kind of being phased out. It's almost like real life capitalism, you know, yeah. where yeah. The, the middle class is being uh, screwed over, which uh, I think is, is very true in America. And I think it's happening in the NBA and I blame the players association, uh, you know, uh, nothing against Jalen Brown or J- Jason Tatum or Desmond Bain or whoever, but, uh, you know, the cap being what it is, that means that at some point when you have, say, three players making 80% of the cap, don't be surprised when a bunch of guys are making a lot less than they're worth. And, and I, I just, uh, I don't like that. That's all. I mean, you know, and, and then the, I guess this, uh, the last part of it is there again, when this was initially discussed, the, the Supermax, Mm-hmm. These kind of things were supposed to be for the supermax players, you know, the Jokic's and the LeBron's and, you know, they're half a dozen difference makers. 
you know, that's not saying Jalen Brown can't get there, but he isn't now. And, and, and so this is, I mean, I, I guess that's my biggest issue. It's like, okay, I understand why Michael Jordan made a ton of money and, but he didn't make it till, till late till he was, he was clearly a proven uh, difference maker and champion or, or Tim Duncan or who, whoever you want. But so, yeah, I just think I don't like it. And I think the players association is primarily to blame. I don't blame the players. I don't blame their agents, but it's at some point you should have been looking out for your, as a union, uh, all your players, not the top guys. I agree with that, Jerry. So um, before we sign off, we have a little bit of news for you all here today. Uh, the Kings Herald show is going to be taking the month of August off from recording our main show so that our guy Tony can uh, spend time with his soon to come uh, baby Zip Terrace. So um, we're not uh, we're not fully going away. We'll still have a Patreon episode in the middle of the month for all you Patreon subscribers out there. But to all the wonderful listeners who just listened to the main show, um, we'll be returning in September to discuss Team USA play, Hall of Fame inductees, as well as to start to preview the start, uh, you know, the coming Kings training camp. So uh, until then, uh, stay cool, stay safe, and uh, go Kings. <laughs>